0: There is a, a strip mall here in Orangeville on the east end of Broadway and it contains a number of um, little stores and one of the stores is a, is a pet food store. It sells, it sells pet food, but it was not always a pet food store. See, anytime we drive through the parking lot of that strip mall, I always tell my kids, do you see that that pet food store? Not always a pet food store. Okay. Back in the day... That was a Blockbuster video store. How many people remember Blockbuster video, right? I still have my Blockbuster membership card somewhere. I'm not giving that bad boy up. Too many good memories. I'm not letting go of it. So I tell my kids, I'm like, oh man, that was the place to go on a Friday night. They had like hundreds and hundreds of movies that you could like look through and and rent and take home and watch. And my kids are like, rent movies? Okay, like like Blu-rays? And I'm like, no, no, not Blu-rays. I'm talking full-out VHS tapes, new releases, comedies, action, you name it. Blockbuster had it. At which point, my kids usually laugh at me, VHS tapes. Okay, boomer. Okay, But if you remember renting VHS tapes, tapes from Blockbuster, you'll also remember the saying, the little sticker that was attached to the videotape. Everybody, any, Anybody remember the sticker and what it said? Please be kind. Rewind. Please be kind. Rewind. They wanted you to actually rewind the videotape after you had watched it because if you didn't, well then some employee would actually have to rewind it when you returned it or the next person to watch the movie would take it home, put it in their VCR, and it would be at the end of the movie. And then they'd have to like push rewind and wait for for the movie to get to the beginning of the tape again. Nothing worse. Please be kind. Rewind. It's, It's like that was the standard for kindness. That was like the bar rewinding of a videotape. Thanks for being so kind. And I'm joking, of course, about the movie thing, but I'm not joking about the fact that the kindness is usually a virtue that's not necessarily celebrated in our culture. It can even sometimes be seen as a weakness, right? Strength, power, dominance, Selfishness, vanity—those just seem to be the things that we—they're we, a lot easier to find than, than kindness, right? We don't necessarily celebrate kindness or gentleness or compassion. Especially if you've been tracking on social media these days, it's not a very kind place. Now, the New Testament word for kindness is translated from the Greek word "krestotes." Okay, crestotes, and this word is used to describe uh, generosity, compassion, uprightness, goodness. Okay, so when I say kindness, I want you to think of all of those terms so I don't have to say all of them every time. Okay, gentleness, goodness, uprightness, compassion, gentleness. The biblical word encompasses for kindness, encompasses all those things. It's a holistic word. And now while we might not necessarily celebrate kindness, God certainly does celebrate kindness. It's a part of who he is. See, our, our God is a kind God. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Nehemiah 9.17. How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36.7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.7. But when the kindness of God our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we had done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Titus 3, 4. Over and over throughout the Bible, we discover that kind is just an attribute of who God is. Okay, and like the kindness of God was most profoundly and clearly seen through the life of the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ himself. You think about the stories of Jesus and how he demonstrated kindness. Think of the woman with, with bleeding interrupting him on the way to an urgent medical emergency. Think of the parents who brought their children to Jesus when his disciples were just wanting to get on with their own private lessons. Think of uh, blind Bartimaeus, who kept shouting over the crowd until Jesus stopped. Think of, uh, of the woman, think of the woman who anointed Jesus, feeded a meal and like scandalized the host. Even in agony on the cross, Jesus was thinking of the needs of his mother, kindness. After his resurrection, he knew that that hungry fishermen needed a good breakfast after a night at sea. So good. Jesus showed us what the kindness of God looks like. See, contrary to popular opinion, kindness doesn't make us weak. It actually makes us like, like Jesus. And not only is God kind, but he calls those who follow him, he calls us to be kind. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4 32. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Proverbs eleven seventeen. 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Colossians 3 12. Notice it says, put on. Kindness, like that's an adjective. It's an action word. It's kind of on us to put on kindness. It's a habitude. See, God calls us to pursue it. We're meant to wear kindness, to put it on like we put our coat on before we go outside. Kindness is actually, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5. It's not just something we do. Kindness is meant to be who we are. Okay, we know a, a true by, uh, tree by its fruit, right? Oh, that, that's an apple tree. There's apples on it. And so my question is, when we see, do, do we see the, the fruit of kindness when we look at the tree of our lives? You know, we are in a series called Habitudes here at Compass, in which we're talking about habits and attitudes that bring life change. And I think kindness, when we think about that word and everything it means, it it brings life change. It brings transformation to other people and also to ourselves because kindness in its essence is the living, breathing, walking, tangible expression of the most powerful force that there is, love. And so how do we create habits and attitudes of kindness in our lives in a world in which kindness is so counter-cultural. Right? To be good, to be gentle, to be compassionate, to be kind. Hey, turn in your Bible, if you will, to the Old Testament book of Second Samuel chapter nine. Okay, Second Samuel chapter nine. And I think the story that we're gonna park in today illustrates for us the type of kindness that we see in God and the type he calls us to pursue and to live out. Okay, let's actually read the story together because it's a story, it's a great story. It's only 12 verses and it's important that we know the context. Cool? Okay, let's go. 2 Samuel chapter nine. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? There's our word. For Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Macher son of Amniel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Debar, from the house of Macher son of Amniel. When Seth, okay, I'm, I'm going to say it straight out. I'm going to get that name wrong multiple times today. It's fun to say, though. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you would notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Okay, firstly, I just, I just want uh, to recognize the significance of the story that we just read. See, typically, after the king had died, an old king, and a new king had taken over a throne, he would actually kill any remaining descendants of the previous king. Because any remaining descendants, they could try to use their, their bloodline, their heritage, to take back the throne. So just like erase the threat. Right, like wipe out all evidence of the previous regime. Right? Nobody likes competition. Instead, we see David do the opposite. Did I say kindness was countercultural? Okay, Talk about a lesson in kindness. Saul had tried to kill David, but years later, as we just read, we see how David shows kindness to Saul's grandson. That's the story. So let's jump in. There's some important things here from this story that I want to highlight to us and for us as we seek to institute habitudes of kindness in our lives. Firstly, kindness is a choice. Kindness is a choice. According to the Tyndale Bible Dictionary, who I think offers a pretty good definition of the word kindness, it says this, Kindness is a state of being that includes the attributes of loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. Kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks and acts. It's more volitional than emotional. Meaning that kindness is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Okay, look at verse 1. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? See, don't miss it. David woke up that morning with intention, not emotion. Because of his friendship with Jonathan, he made the conscious decision to show kindness, like to someone. Listen, we don't always feel kind, do we? I know I don't. I'm going to guess when David reminisced about being almost pinned to a wall by Saul's spear. When he thought about how Saul had forced him to flee from his home and live in a cave and then hunt him down like a common animal, feelings of kindness did not well up in his soul. You know, like David wasn't thinking, you know, when I think of Saul, I just get this overwhelming urge to bless someone. No, but he still made the decision to be kind. And so can we. Like there are these moments, right, when we are moved emotionally. That's beautiful. Right, like we read, we read a, a heartfelt story on Facebook that like moves us to give to somebody's GoFundMe page. We hear about somebody struggling, and we are emotionally moved to help. Nothing wrong with that beautiful thing. But there will be more days when we're not feeling it, and yet God calls us to be kind people all the time. It's who we are to put on kindness. We're to be defined as kind. It's a, it's a part of who we are. And when somebody thinks about you, when they picture your face in their minds and, and they describe you to somebody else, one of the things that they should say is, oh, I know them. They're, they're kind. Right? It's, a, it's a fruit people should see in our lives. You see, how we treat other people is a choice that reflects our character, not a reflection of other people's character. And so we choose to be kind to people because it will define who we are, not because somebody else deserves it or doesn't deserve it. Because kindness is the kind of person we want to be. See, David did not ask if this servant deserved kindness. Like he didn't even know who this guy was. Maybe he deserved it, but maybe not. He just made the decision to be kind. Because it was a reflection of, of who he wanted to be. And that means for you and I that there will be more times when we need to show kindness when we're not feeling it than when we are. And that means we must intentionally make kindness a habit. We must become disciplined in kindness. And as we do that, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit transforms us into kind people. Like David here in verse one, we have to wake up and we have to ask ourselves, okay, is there anyone I can show kindness to today? Like I'm choosing this day to be kind. You know, like I know an example of this in my life has been um, serving at our local food bank. You know, since COVID started, there's been a bunch of new protocols, right? And they needed some guys to kind of carry these 50-pound these hampers and put them in people's trunks because the clients can't come in the building right now. And because my wife is like on the food bank board, I, I kind of got voluntold. <laughs> That's what happens, right? That I would be one of these guys. And so over the past many months, that's that's kind of one of the things I've been doing on Wednesdays and Thursdays. But before you say, oh, isn't that kind, I need to tell you, most shifts, I'm not feeling it. Okay, like at the start of COVID, it was kind of exciting, you know, oh, we're going to do something good here. But after 10 months, it's actually become a little exhausting. Most shifts, I'm not waking up thinking, yay, it's food bank day. Just the truth. The weather's colder, the work is a little bit repetitive. There's some shifts that are like super busy and it's actually like kind of hard work. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Like sometimes there's other things that I'd rather be doing that day that need done. And so what I've tried to tell myself is, no, this is not negotiable. I'm gonna make a choice. This is just what you do on Wednesday mornings and Thursday evenings. This is a habit. This is a discipline. Okay, for any, any runners out there, it's kind of like running, right? I'm going to do this because it's good for me. Most mornings, I don't jump out of bed while it's cold and dark and say, yay, I get to go and run out on the sloppy streets. But I will tell you, I never regret running when I'm done. I always say, I, I never say, I wish I didn't do that. And it's the same with, with serving, right? The hardest part of running is getting out of bed. And the hardest part of, of like food bank is just showing up. And when a shift ends, I never say, I wish I didn't do that. I'm always like, that was good for my soul. Even if I wasn't feeling it before, I always feel it after. It always makes me reflect who who I want to be. That's what kindness does. That's why it has to be a decision, a habit, a discipline, and not a feeling. Be kind because it's who you want to be. Not because somebody deserves it or doesn't deserve your kindness. And as we make a, a habitude of kindness, the Holy Spirit methodically changes our hearts. Okay, the next important thing that, uh, that we see about kindness in this text, in the story, is that kindness looks to go beyond the minimum requirements. It, kindness looks to go beyond the minimum requirements. I mean, in actuality, David could have expressed kindness to Mephibosheth by just allowing him to stay alive. Okay, by allowing this guy to, to remain breathing on planet earth, David would have been doing the minimum requirement of kindness. All right, I won't kill him. Right? I, I can check off the kindness box now. I let him live. Instead, we see David do the opposite. He strives to express the maximum kindness that he can give. You think about it. Think about it. This lame-in-both-feet, lowly servant is summoned by the king and he's likely thinking, uh-oh, like I'm found out. Here we go. I'm, uh, David knows I'm Saul's grandson and he's called me to see him. We know he's afraid because in verse 7, David says, don't be afraid. He wouldn't have said that if there wasn't a risk of something fearful happening. And he could have said, listen, man, I'm feeling kind today. It is your lucky day. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to not kill you. Even though you're my arch enemy's relative, even though this is normal practice, I'm going to let you live. I mean, if you're Mephibosheth, you're good with that. That's a win for you. That's a good day. You're walking out of that room feeling pretty good about your life. But see, David goes beyond the minimum and he aims for the maximum. Not only will you live, but I'm going to give you your land, the land that belonged to your grandfather. Given the fact that Saul was the king, that was probably a pretty good chunk of real estate. But David does not stop there. In verse nine and 10, he tells Ziba, Saul's steward, Saul's right-hand man, listen up. I've given Saul's grandson here all the, the land that belonged to him. And what I want you to do, I want you to take your servants and I want you to farm that land for him. I want you to take care of the crops so he doesn't have to worry about that. And if that was not enough, David adds, and oh yeah, you're also gonna be dining with my family. You've also got like a seat at the table, which, which I eat at with my family. And whatever the king is eating, you're eating. See, real kindness doesn't just try to meet the bare requirements. It doesn't just try to tick a box. It goes beyond, it's extravagant. It seeks the maximum requirements. And if you've ever been the, the recipient of the kind of kindness that I'm talking about, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I know a guy who's really good at this. Maybe you know people that are really good at this as well. I remember a few uh, years ago, a few summers ago, he texted me and he was like, hey, I just wanna bless you. I'm gonna like gift you uh, a couple of baseball tickets. I got some really good tickets. Would you and like one of the kids wanna go to a Jays game? I've got some, some great seats. And I'm like, yeah, sign me up. But then he continued, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Food and drinks at the game? I want to get that too. Like, I don't want you to have to, to, to worry about anything. I, I mean, the tickets would have been enough. Incredibly generous. But, but he wasn't interested in just meeting the minimum requirements. And then he texted again. He said, and if it's helpful, I'd like, like to offer to even, like, drive you to the game so you don't have to worry about, like, parking and just the busy highways, if if that's something that would bless you. Like, how can I really make this a blessing to you? Like, I was overwhelmed by his kindness. And that's the type of kindness that I'm talking about, and the, the type that God shows us and that David showed, overwhelming, extravagant, beyond the minimum requirements. Right, the kindness that God showed us in the most profoundly uh, beautiful way at the cross, where He gave us His very best. And that doesn't mean that we ha- we have to go beyond our means. You know, sometimes there's obvious limits with what we can do, be it financial or with our time, and we aren't to be unwise when it comes to this, but we are to be unusual. I'm going to say that again. We aren't to be unwise, but we are meant to be unusual when it comes to kindness. We are to ask ourselves, what would it look like to go beyond the bare minimum here? Like, what would really be a blessing in this person's life? Like, I, I just don't want to feel good about myself. I don't, just don't want to alleviate maybe guilt or check a box. I actually want to be unusual, strange, strangely kind. See, not only does maximum kindness give God maximum glory, but it offers us maximum opportunity to share about who God is, to share his love with people. It will make a culture who is so used to and so often experiencing the minimum when it comes to kindness turn their heads and and ask, why is that person so unusually kind? Why are they they so strangely compassionate? Like what kind of extravagant kindness have they experienced, have they received, that they actually want to give this to other people? Go beyond the minimum requirement of kindness and watch what happens. In yourself and in other people. And lastly, from our story, kindness is consistent. See, kindness is consistent, right? Life is full of one-hit wonders. The Macarena, Gangnam Style, Ice Ice Baby. Like, do you actually have any remote recollection of who sings those songs? Vanilla Ice sings Ice Ice Baby. I know that one guilty. right? Sports history is filled with teams and players who made this massive splash, maybe for one season, maybe for one playoff, and then they disappeared into ambiguity. Never heard of them again. And sometimes it's, it's, it's tempting to be one-hit wonders when it comes to kindness. But look at verse 13. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. I love that. That word always, we can miss it, but, but we shouldn't. You know, sometimes there are moments when we need to react in kindness, like once and then we're out. God calls us to do that sometimes. Those situations do happen They call for a single act of kindness on our behalf. But generally, the kindness that most mirrors God's, it's consistent, it's dependable, it's faithful, it's always. Like, aren't you glad that the the kindness of God is that way? Aren't you glad? Could you imagine if the kindness of God were dependent on whether we deserved it or not? Or whether God was in the mood or not? Could you imagine if if we had to wake up and wonder, I wonder if God will be kind today? See, the most profound kindness we can offer somebody is marathon kindness, not sprint kindness. It's a journey with somebody of kindness, not a one-shot deal. It's there when they're having good days and it's there when they're having bad days. It's there when they deserve it and it's there the days that they might not actually deserve it. It's kindness that can be counted on. Like, just, don't you just appreciate the consistent people in your life? Maybe if you lead in some area and you've got that volunteer or, or that, that helper or that employee that you can count on. Like, you don't ask yourself, are they gonna show up today? Are they gonna do a good job? You just know that they are. That's who they are. Those people are so precious. And, and so Rare. Yeah? See, I love how the story ends. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. See, David didn't offer just one feast. He didn't say, I I know I promised you this, but it's just not working out. You eating at my table. So secure was he in David's kindness that he could confidently and permanently take up residence in Jerusalem. David was not going to change his mind. He was in it for the long haul. He was going to journey with him in kindness. And then the story ends in a really strange way, right? The last phrase. He was lame in both feet. It's like, it's this reminder of how weak this guy was and how little he could actually offer David in return. and yet David's kindness was consistent. And you know, that kind of consistent kindness, it's often difficult for us because it's hard to stay consistent with kindness. It takes a lot of effort sometimes. Right, being unkind is is actually a lot easier. Right, I will tell you, it's difficult to, to kind of stick your head in there with somebody and keep being kind to them when it doesn't seem like they appreciate it. When they don't deserve it, when they keep making bad choices, it's easier just to pull back. Like, why should I work at being kind when it's, it's not being like reciprocated in any way? But that's the kind of consistent kindness God calls us to See, consistency, it's a powerful thing, right? Like imagine if you went to your favorite restaurant and they completely changed their menu every time that you showed up. You never knew when you walked in the front door if they were gonna have your favorite dish or not, right? In business, consistently, it maintains your brand. You know when you feel like a Big Mac, you can go to any McDonald's and get a Big Mac, Right? It, it's a part of their brand. And a part of our brand of following Jesus is kindness. Consistent kindness. A leadership guru John Maxwell said, small disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. Let me, let me rephrase that for our context Kindness repeated with consistency every day leads to great achievements gained slowly over time. In fact, let, let me even better, let me rephrase that from the Bible. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, kindness is greatest when it's in it for the long game because it most profoundly mirrors God's faithful kindness. And David shows us a beautiful picture of the kindness of God. Kindness is a choice. Kindness goes beyond the minimum requirements and kindness is consistent. Okay, so, so application. How might the world change if everybody listening or watching this today were just 10% kinder this week? Okay, that's actually a, a question one of our elders here at Compass, they often challenge us with. They, he, he often says, what if we were just 10% kinder to everyone? What if we woke up and made a choice to ask, who are three people that I can express kindness to today? Like, be intentional about. What if we asked ourselves, what would it look like to actually go beyond the minimum requirement of kindness in that situation, and offer the maximum amount of kindness? What would that look like? And what if we asked ourselves in a situation in which we're growing weary of being kind? What if I hung in there for another week? I think we could be changed. I think we could change a lot of lives. I think we could change the world. Hey, would you pray with me? God, this morning, I thank you for your kindness. As shown to us most profoundly and clearly through the life of Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, through the gift of grace that he is to us. But God, I also thank you for the kindness that you show us every single day. Day. As consistent as the, the rising of the sun, you are kind. In our good moments, in our bad moments, your kindness to us never changes. It's extravagant. And you choose. To give it to us because it's who you are. And Father, this morning, we want to be marked by that same kind of kindness. We want it just to be not things we do, we want it to be who we are. God kind people. Forgive us when we are unkind. I pray that the compassion and gentleness and graciousness and kindness that you show us would well up in us through your Holy Spirit and change us. That we could walk as Jesus walked. That we could love as Jesus loved, serve as Jesus served. And share his beautiful kingdom everywhere we go our prayer this morning. God, we thank you that you are kind. Amen.